Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. This is part two to that. Um, This is part of the revelation that God gave me um, in addition to what I shared on Sunday morning. And so, uh, Defending the Promise, part two, 1 Samuel chapter 17. I don't have fancy slides for you tonight, so uh, you're going to have to just take notes with me, and, uh, and I will do my best to help you stay, uh, stay in track with me this evening. But we're going to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and then we're also going to be headed back to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to continue talking to you about defending the promise. Before I do that, though, I want us to pause for just a moment and, uh, and pray uh, for the family of Samuel chapter 17. I want us to begin in verse 45. This past Sunday, we talked about the first part of this story, read a great deal of scripture. Um, you know, I, I know there are some, some of us who have read this story, uh, seems like a million times, but I believe there are also others of us that are just beginning in our journey in our relationship with God. And it's important for us to establish the foundation of the Word of God. It's one thing to have our interpretations or revelations that God has given us, but it's also important for us to read in full context the story of what God has done. And so when you come on a Sunday and it seems like I've spent 10 minutes reading Scripture, I understand that I'm trying to base a foundation for those who maybe haven't grown up in church or maybe have just recently given their heart to God, uh, because for me, that was foundational. Having that backstory understanding Uh, Just the beginnings of all of that really made a difference in my life. And so I want to make sure that as as pastor that I'm giving us the full foundation. And so we read through a huge chunk of, of 1 Samuel chapter 17 this past Sunday. And I shared a message entitled Defeating the Promise. And this is a continuation of that message um, from, from Sunday morning. This is what it says in verse number 45. It says, David said to the Philistine, this is David and Goliath, he says, <clears throat> he says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day... I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. For those of you that are walking through a battle right now, let me remind you, the battle is not yours. Amen? Tell your neighbor, the battle is not yours. So many times in our life, when the situations or circumstances of our life seem overwhelming, we think that it's our responsibility to win the victory. We think it's our responsibility to achieve the promise. But the truth is, the battle is not ours. The reason that we fail so many times at experiencing the promises and the plans of God in our life is because we try to approach the situation as if it's ours to handle. The truth is, you were called out of darkness into light. You were given a new identity. You became a child of God. It's no longer your plan, your dreams, your vision, your mission that you're fulfilling. It's His. 
And so the battles that you face and the difficulties that you're up against and the struggles that you're going through, if you're trying to answer those, if you're trying to address those, if you're trying to handle those based on your own wisdom, based on your own understanding, based on your own knowledge, then truthfully what's actually happening is you are positioning yourself to fail. More oftentimes than not, we position ourselves to fail because we forget that the battle is not ours. If it looks like you're losing, remember that looks can be deceiving. Remember that it's not about what we can see, but it's about what we know, and we know the battle is not ours. David's confidence in that made that declaration, he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. The thing I love about God is that oftentimes the victory for believers in the battles that we face will not be won in the ways that we think it will happen. The only way that anyone was convinced that you could kill this giant named Goliath was if you killed him with a sword. But I love that God used an unconventional way in order to bring about the fulfillment of the promise and the plan of God for his chosen people. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. The men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along Sharam Road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. Heavenly Father, I pray over this word tonight that God, you would stir us up, Lord, to be defenders of the promise. That God, you would stir us up to be defenders of the promise, that, Lord, we would not sit idly by, that, God, we would not be satisfied or content, Lord, with what it looks like, what it feels like, or what it seems like is currently facing us in our life, but that, Lord, we will hold firm to your word and confidence as children of God to know that, Lord, the battle is not ours. Holy Spirit, I pray you would stir up within this place a faith so great, God, a hunger and a thirst for you like we've never had before. Lord, to have eyes to see and ears to hear what it is that you are doing. Lord, to recognize that you are leading us every step of the way in every area of our lives. God, that we can trust you, that we can follow you, that we can live by faith. And Lord, conquer the enemy and his attempts to steal, kill, and destroy. God, we thank you for what you're doing. We give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Three things that I want to share with you tonight on defending the promise, part two. As we talked about this word this past Sunday morning, I almost got so excited I, I couldn't preach. I was so overwhelmed with the anointing and the power and the presence of God. The three points from this past Sunday, if you weren't here, were number one, spend time away from the battle. 
Number two, recognize the enemy's defiance of God's promises. Number three, suit up and fight. And every single one of these responses to the promises of God in order for us to defend what the Lord has established, we have to spend time away from the battle with the Lord. In verse 15, it reminds us of chapter 17 that David went back and forth from the battle. He was to bring supplies and bring word and update to his father as as well as tending to his father's sheep. So David wasn't in the middle of the chaos and the, and the fear that was being invoked upon God's chosen people. And what happened in that moment is it gave him clarity and perspective to recognize, one, that the battle's not ours, but that, two, that the enemy has no authority over God's chosen people. Amen? The enemy has no authority over God's chosen people. Secondly, not only that, but we recognize the enemy's defiance of God's promises in verse Number 26, David makes the declaration. He says, uh, says, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David recognized the defiance of the enemy to the promises of God, to the plan of God. And he was willing to defend it because when it came down to it, He was willing to suit up and fight. He recognized that the battle is not ours, but it's the Lord's. That when the enemy steps in on God's territory, that he's met his match. And I firmly believe that now more than ever that God is calling the church to rise up and to defend the promise of God, to defend the plan of God, to defend the mission of God. We are living in a world that is overwhelmed with sadness, with sorrow, with grief. We are living in a world that is overwhelmed by hopelessness and despair. We are living in a world that is caught up in the midst of hate and division and frustration and anger and misery because they are lost in the midst of darkness and they are searching for the light and God came he sent his son into the world and established the church his body to be the hands and feet of Christ even 2,000 years after he rose from the dead to bring that light into the midst of darkness to establish hope in the midst of hopelessness and to remind the world that there is a God in heaven who is in control who is the author and creator who is the finisher who will accomplish and meet his plan and his mission to share with the world that there is a love, there is a hope, there is a joy, there is a peace, and there is a promise for every person who will say yes to Jesus. I believe that God is stirring the hearts of his people now more than ever to not sit back and watch, to not settle for the destruction of the enemy, to not settle for the lies of the enemy, to not be content with that's just how it is, but to rise up and recognize that as a child of God, the enemy has no authority over the promises and the plans that God has for us. That God has called us to suit up and fight, to stand firm on the promise, and to defend it at all costs. I'm thankful for the story of David and Goliath, a man who recognized that some uncircumcised Philistine had stepped in on God's territory and had threatened to take the promise. But David said, you are no 
match for my God. I wonder what would happen if the church in America today would rise up and declare to the enemy, you have no right to the promises and the plans of God. Hatred and division will no longer separate. Chasing after everything but God will no longer be the norm. But we will rise up and declare, he is alive and he's on the throne. And he has a plan for your life. I believe God's called us to defend the promise of heaven. Every single one of us that are in this place have a promise from God. As a believer, as a child of God, we have the promise of eternal life. But I believe even more than that, that God has placed us for such a time as this. I believe that just as He called Jeremiah and He established him on the earth, that God has plans for you and I. Plans for us to, uh, to fulfill His mission, to fulfill the vision that God has established to share the good news and the hope of the world. But I believe even in that, that God has promises that He's placed within His people. Promises that God has given. Dreams that God has given. Things that God has spoken. And too many times we're overwhelmed by the disappointment of our souls. Because despite our faith, despite our prayers, despite our perseverance, we feel defeated more often times than we feel victorious. We're overcome by fear. I feel like for so long the church has been just like the Israelites standing on the battle line facing the Philistines. Hearing the enemy as known as Goliath in this story, spreading out all his lies and his junk, mocking the people of God, making fun of our fear, making fun of our disappointment, making fun of our frustration, forgetting all the while that behind the scenes that God is working and he's stirring up and he's reminding his people that I have placed within you the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I have given you a promise that will last from generation to generation and you don't have to settle for the lies of the enemy any longer. What promise in your life has God given you? What dream has God established in your heart? What is it that God has called you to? What destiny is it that God has placed on your life? It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. You've got a promise to defend as long as you have breath in your lungs. You've got a mission to fulfill as long as you walk the face of the earth. Whether you're praying and interceding from your living room or your bedroom or you're working 45 50, 60, and 70 hours a week, wherever you are, you have been strategically placed for such a time as this. Tell your neighbor, I've got a mission. Tell your neighbor, I've got a mission. We can't sit back and wait for everyone else to decide they're ready, but we have to understand that the enemy is doing whatever he can to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we may have life and life more abundantly. That though there may be battles, that it feels that we've been defeated, that it feels that we've been pushed back, that it feels that we've been overcome. The truth is, at the end of the day, God's word is yes and amen. His word is faithful, His word is true. If he said he would do it, then he will. I wonder what would happen if such a faith would rise up in the hearts of God's people that we would refuse to settle for the enemy in front of us, for the giants trying to overcome us. And like David, we would say, I know my God is in control. I know he's on the throne. I know he's faithful to his word and he's faithful to his promise. Oh, I've been excited about this word for a long time. I know you can't tell. I know you can't tell. 
the end of this chapter, the reason that I wanted to dive into this tonight, the reason that I wanted to dive into this tonight was because this is a setup for what we're preaching about on Sunday. This Sunday I'm preaching about fighting for the promise. Last Sunday and tonight we're talking about defending the promise. This Sunday we're talking about fighting for the promise. And I'm going to dive into a little bit more of how to fight for the promise. Because oftentimes our fight, our fight is not just those one-time encounters that we have with the Goliaths. So many times in the church we get disappointed because when we conquered one giant, we're disappointed because we're faced with another. And so this Sunday I'm going to talk about how we fight for the promise of God. How we fight for the plans and the dreams and the words that He's spoken. And ultimately, all of that is tied to the mission of God. There's not a dream or promise that God is... I don't know if people understand this. There's not a dream or promise that God has given you in your heart and your life that's not about fulfilling the mission of heaven. The dreams and promises that God has given you in your life are about fulfilling the mission of heaven. Do you hear me tonight? So many times we get wrapped up in the fact that God hasn't answered our prayers and God hasn't fulfilled our promises and God hasn't met our dreams and He hasn't met our needs that we forget that all of those are attached to the mission of God. All of those are attached to the mission of God. So if God's going to win the battle, if He's going to win the final war, if God's going to do all of that, then He's going to bring about everything that He said in His Word that He would do in order to fulfill that mission. It's all about timing and strategy. The problem is, is we don't like to wait. So tonight I want to finish up talking about defending the promise. And I want to share three things from this last section of 1 Samuel chapter 17 that God reminds us about defending the promises of heaven. Are you ready? Number one tonight is this. In defending the promise of God, part two, number one, we have to recognize the spiritual battle underway. We have to recognize the spiritual battle that's underway. I love what Ephesians chapter 6 reminds us of. In verse number 10 it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. God didn't give you the sword of the Spirit so that you could just keep it holstered on your side. God did not give you the sword of the Spirit so that you could keep it holstered on your side. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The reason that the enemy does everything that he can to bore us so that we won't read this is because he wants to keep our sword holstered. If he can keep your sword firmly planted in its place on your side, that you never pull it out and use it, you're no threat to the kingdom of darkness. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We have to recognize the spiritual battle that's underway. So many times in our life, the physical effects that we feel of the spiritual battle, we fail to recognize. We fail to recognize the spiritual battle that's underway. Our bodies, 
Our world, our life is affected by the spiritual battle that's underway. There is a battle that is happening in the spiritual realm right now that the enemy is doing everything that he can to fight God's plan for your life. The problem is is that oftentimes when the effects of that manifest in our life, we fail to recognize them and we miss the opportunity that we have to address it accordingly. David's response to Goliath, David's response to the Philistine army was not just about a physical army, a physical battle that was confronting the people of God. It was a spiritual battle, an attempt of the enemy to squash the promise and the plan of God. Because if the enemy can keep you and I from standing firm, if the enemy can keep you and I from standing up, then there is no, there is no, there is nothing, nothing and no one that can keep him from moving forward with his plans. But Jesus has come. He sent his Holy Spirit. He established his word. He established the church because he had called us and positioned us to stand firm with the word of God. If we're going to defend the promises of God, we've got to recognize the spiritual battle that's underway. Spiritual warfare is real. You hear me? Spiritual warfare is real. If you're going to be obedient to the plans and the promises of God, you better believe the devil's going to fight you for it. If you're going to trust God and step out on faith, you better believe the devil's going to fight you on it. He is not going to let you just walk right on by without challenging you first and doing whatever he can to keep you from achieving the promise and the plan of God. I shared with the board this past Sunday... And I want to share this with you. I want to ask you to, to one, pray for me. But two, I want to also share with you the understanding of the fact that spiritual warfare is real. Easter Sunday, as many of you know, we we had our goal set for Project Rescue. The Lord had put it on our heart to give five thousand dollars. I think the last count it was at fifty one five or something, something like that. Fifty one and a half. Praise the Lord! Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? Fifty one hundred dollars. I just go Jesus. After that service, after Easter Sunday morning service, I went home. My mom and dad had been in town for the whole week. They left. And I immediately had this pressure that built in my chest. For me, I usually sense spiritual warfare. That's how I usually feel it. I feel it as pressure in my chest. I feel that fight that's going on. And so through prayer and through worship and through the Word of God is how we fight those battles, how we fight those struggles, how we respond to those situations. And so I'd been doing that all week long, but the pressure hadn't stopped. I had stiffness that came in my neck. And so I started checking my blood pressure. It had gone up. I've never had problems with high blood pressure. My blood pressure's been perfect. My pulse is normally in the mid-50s. I've never had problems with my heart rate. My heart rate was double. The monitor that I was using said that I had an irregular heartbeat, and the pressure wasn't leaving. Usually after a couple of days, it leaves. So I finally made the decision to go to the emergency room just to be safe, just to check. Because here's the thing. Don't assume. Don't assume. (laughs) Don't. Don't assume. Let me, give you a, let me give you a quick story about that. You can fall into the state of never relying on the people that God has placed around you to help you that you put yourself in a position that will cost you your life. My great-grandfather, Reverend Eugene Davis, died because an evangelist prayed for him to be healed from diabetes, told him that he was healed. He never went back to follow up with his doctor. He quit taking his insulin and he died. 
The enemy robbed him of the plan and the destiny that God had on his life because he didn't take advantage of what God had established for him. Use the wisdom and the common sense that God has given you, but recognize the enemy's attacks and attempts through it. God has put doctors on this earth for a reason. Amen? God has put doctors on this earth for a reason. So I went to check. I went to have it checked out and, and went in. My blood pressure was extremely high. My pulse was still double what it was. They ran all the tests. Everything on my blood work came back perfectly fine. They ran tests for underlying diseases. My numbers were the lowest that they could possibly be. My blood pressure was high after they gave me some medicine for my blood pressure. It dropped right back down to the 114 over 68 that it always is. But my pulse remained high and the pressure was still there. So I started calling different people, prayer warriors, to begin praying. It continued and continued and continued. I did my best to rest as much as I could Friday and Saturday. Came to preach Sunday. The pressure increased. I could feel the attack and the push of the enemy. The devil is not going to sit back and watch you just go ahead with God's plan. He's going to fight you because he knows that if you're obedient, then you're going to be victorious. So he's going to do whatever he can to get you to respond in the wrong way because of the pressure that you feel on your life, because of the warfare that you're dealing with, so that you respond differently. You see that in David. David says, yes, the king calls him in and the king tries to put him in his armor. He tries to take him out of what he's known and tries to put him in a different way. David had to recognize this isn't what God's established me for. This isn't what God's called me to. God's been training me for this. He's been preparing my heart for this. So I continued with that. Still have had elevated and high blood pressure over this last week. I'm following up with my general practitioner this Friday. Don't know what the underlying cause is. EKG came back fine. X-rays were clear. So I've just been asking people to pray. So I'm asking you, pray. I asked the board Sunday, pray. I shared with them. I want you to pray because I believe the Lord's going to take every bit of that. and, And he's got every bit of it under control. I firmly believe that it's spiritual warfare. I firmly believe that it's an attack of the enemy. But in that, there's two ways that we respond. When we recognize the spiritual battle that's underway, we respond with the tools and the wisdom that God has given us in addressing that. God has given us means in the physical to address the effects in the physical, and He's given us means in the supernatural to address the supernatural. What I do in the physical is respond to the spiritual battle that's underway by relying on the medical professionals that God has given me access to, that God has provided means for me to go to, that God has provided means for me to go. And on the supernatural side, on the spiritual side of it all, He's given me the Word of God to declare His Word and promises and to stand firm on what He said, to take authority over the attacks of the enemy, every fiery dart that He would throw, to every morning put on the armor of God, to swing the sword of the Spirit and to kick back every lie of the enemy and to say, devil, it doesn't matter what you throw my way and it doesn't matter what I face and it doesn't matter what I go through. My God will never leave me and He'll never forsake me. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead and took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. You have no authority over my life. You don't have the final say over my health. You don't have the determination of my future. When we're faced with the spiritual battles of our life, we have to defend the promise of God by taking the word and the promise that He's given 
and begin declaring it over our life. It's why Jesus said, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven because I've taken the keys to the kingdom of hell. When we speak the word of God, when we declare the promises of heaven, we are swinging the word of God. We are declaring his word in our lives. We are recognizing the spiritual battle that's underway. Don't let the enemy's lie of spiritual warfare, don't let the enemy talk you out of the truth that the enemy will not fight you on what God has for you. Oftentimes, spiritual warfare will manifest in the physical, and if we're not careful, we'll write it off. We'll become so consumed with it that we'll forget the spiritual that's happening behind the scenes. The enemy's fight to destroy the promise of God. Recognize the spiritual battle that's happening. Because if you don't, you won't be able to defend the promise of God. David recognized the spiritual battle that was underway. I love what he said in verse number 45. His response to that, to that situation was, was so powerful and was so profound. He said, to the, he said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistines army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. If you are a child of God, the enemy will do whatever he can to fight you from fulfilling the mission that God has given. You will fa- it's why Jesus said in John 16:33, in this life you will face trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. For too long, we've believed that because we follow Jesus that everything will be perfect and that everything will be okay. The truth is, is it will that there'll be some fights and there'll be some battles along the way. There will be some things that look like setbacks, that look like failures, that look like disappointments. But the truth is, is if you'll keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, if you'll respond to the situation that's in front of you with the Word of God and the understanding of what He's spoken, it will position you to see God's plan and His Word fulfilled in our lives. Secondly, tonight, not only do we defend the promise by recognizing the spiritual battle but we refuse to settle for the giant. <laughs> Number two tonight, don't settle for the giant. Tell your neighbor, don't settle for the giant. Too many times we put our guard down once we've conquered a giant. <laughs> I love that the Israelites' response after Goliath was killed and the Philistines ran away wasn't to just let him run. Too many times we let the devil run. Tell your neighbor, quit letting the devil run. The devil will do whatever he can. I love that when Goliath was dead, that the response was to chase every last one of them down that they could and defeat it. (laughs) To defeat the enemy, to respond. Too many times what we do is when we're faced with the giant, when we conquer the giant, we're convinced that we're through. You don't believe that? Just look at the Israelites. After God delivered them out of Egypt. After they crossed the Red Sea, they thought, wow, that's such a profound miracle. God defeated our enemies and drowned them. And they thought that was the end of the story. The truth is, is every promise has a process. And in that process, there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a fight that you're going to have to face. Tell your neighbor, don't settle for the giant. 
Oh, <laughs> this is what it says in verse 51. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along, their dead were strewn along the Sherem road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. The enemy is no match for the children of God. The enemy is no match for the children of God. Don't settle for the giant. Cut it off as a sword. Goliath was a Philistine. The Philistine army had for a long time attacked the children of Israel. I love that the response of the victory over Goliath wasn't that they settled for the giant, but that they went after the source. Too many times we don't go after the source. It's like pulling weeds. How many of you have been working in your in your flower bed or in your garden or you've been getting ready. Springtime's here and you're, yeah. Clean all those weeds out. Put down fresh mulch. Enjoy it for about three days and come back and find out you missed some weeds. <laughs> Go down to pull them and all that comes out is the top of them, not the root. Problem is, is if you don't get the root, the weed's coming back. If you don't get the root, the weed's coming back. The problem is there's too many times we settle for the giant instead of going for the source. Don't settle for the giant. Go after the source. Chase down until you see that, that every last attempt of the enemy is, is conquered. When we come to a place that we don't settle for just the giants that we face, but we recognize the source, we recognize the behind the scenes, we recognize the underneath, we address the problems that we face. At, in every situation, in every struggle that we're against, in every fight and every battle that we have, we have to be willing to address the root of the issue. If you've prayed about the same situation time and time and time and time and time and time again, begin to ask God, what's the root? So many times we pray about just the surface of things, but don't ever ask God to reveal to us the deep things. Why is it that we continue to be faced with the same problem over and over again? Why is it that I find myself continually having to pray for provision? Why is it that I continually have to find myself praying for healing? God, why is it? What is the, what is the root that's behind the struggle that I'm in? God, show me what that is so that I can walk in the victory that you've established for my life. I want to defend the promise at all costs. I want to defend my family. I want to defend the family, my family to come. I want to defend what you have said and what you have spoken over my life. I don't want to settle for for just one giant and then be faced with ten more. God, show me the source and let me address it. Cut it off at the root. So many times in our life, some of the situations that we're faced with and the struggles that we go through are the root of something else that's happened in our life. Whether it's a painful encounter that we've experienced, trauma that we've faced, grief that we've walked through, offense that we've taken, anger that's settled in. If we don't get to the root of what it is, we continually face the same giant over and over and over again. 
Sometimes it's not just the surprise giants or attacks of the enemy in our life. It's the things that we've opened the door up to the enemy in that has positioned us in the place that we're in. What doors do we need to shut? What roots do we need to rip out? What things do we need to give to God? What areas of our life do we need to open up and let the Holy Spirit move by His healing power and come in and restore and refresh and renew within us so that we can walk in the identity and the promise and the plans that He has for us? If we're not willing to address the things, if we're not willing to address the root, if we're not willing to address the deep down issues and the problems of our heart, then we will rob ourselves of the freedom that Jesus intended for us to have. You know, when it comes to ripping out the root, there ain't nothing pretty about it. The front of my house looked ugly for about four days. Just ugly. Just redid the front flower bed, just looked Ugly, just ugly mess. Dug up, holes everywhere, piles of roots and dirt everywhere, just a nasty mess. So many times we don't want to address the root. We don't want to get to the root of it because it's messy. It would have been easier to just kill the giant instead of have dead bodies all the way down the road. It would have been less effort than to chase them down and to kill them all. It wouldn't have cost the Israelite army as much. To chase down... To address the root, it's going to cost you and I something. The problem is, is we don't want to pay any more than we already have. Jesus was willing to pay it all, and it's why he challenged us to pick up our cross and follow him. Because he knew that to follow him, to defend the promise, to defend the plan of God was going to cost us something. Tell your neighbor, it's going to cost you. <laughs> Thirdly tonight, in defending the promise of God, number three, we have to... We have to be able to celebrate and record our victories. I love what David did after he defeated Goliath. David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistine's weapons in his own tent. When David had defeated Goliath, actually if you continue reading in the story of David, you hear times again where David's, David's victory was recorded and celebrated, not only in the Word of God, but you see where even at different places in the Word where Goliath's sword was on display, where there was a reminder of the victory. There's an importance to remembering what God has done in our lives and the victories that He's given us. There's an importance of reminding the victories that God has given us. It is, if the Word of God teaches us anything, it's to record what God has done in our lives. You may not be a journaler, may not be your thing, you may not even like to write. But if you would just, when God does an amazing, glorious, victorious thing in your life, if you just write just two sentences about it and keep it in a safe place, then the next time you're faced with a battle, remind yourself of the victory that you accomplished because of what God did. There's something to be said. There's a reason that God told us the stories that He did, the encounters that He did all throughout the Word of God of one victory after the next. I love time and time again you read, they set up an altar or they built a memorial or they stacked a bunch of stones. They did something to establish and they encouraged one another to tell their children about it. Record what God has done and celebrate it. When God accomplishes a great victory in your life, celebrate that victory. Too many times we don't take the time to celebrate the victory. I love that David took Goliath's head and walked right into Israel 
and just put it on display. <laughs> I love it. I love that his response was to take those weapons to put them in his tent so that he could be reminded every time that he went in. David remembered the encounter that he'd had with a lion. He remembered the encounter that he had with a bear. And it's what positioned him to encounter and ultimately conquer Goliath. It's what gave him, it's what positioned him to walk in the victories that God had established for his life, to see the promises and the plans of God for his life so that he could defend the promises of God. What looked like he was just, when it looked like he was just defending sheep. See, so many times we think, well, Connor, the promise that, that God's given me, you're, you're making it sound like it's this big deal. You're making it sound like I have this, this big, missional, huge deal that I have to defend. And you're like, you're, you're, the problem is, is you're thinking too small. You think what's just a sheep that you're defending is a small thing. But you don't understand that what God's called you to defend, the promise that He's given you, the place that He's called you to, the place that He's established you, is what's preparing you and what's positioning you and what's giving you what you need in order to see some of the greatest victories of heaven accomplished on the earth. Don't minimize the season that you're in. Don't underestimate the, the, the promise that God has given you. Don't minimize the dream. Don't minimize what He's called you to. Don't minimize the place where you are. As I used to say time and time again, don't curse the season that you're in. Recognize the spiritual battle that's underway. Recognize the promise of God that you are defending and that you are standing firm on. Recognize where God has positioned you. Don't settle for just a small victory. Don't, smettle, don't settle for just a giant. Go after every lie of the enemy and every attempt that he's made to steal, kill, and destroy. Every single one of the enemy's attempts to laugh at you, to mock you, to make fun of you, God has called you to defeat and to conquer. When you stand firm on the word of God with the armor of heaven, recognizing the lies of the enemy and his attempts to steal, kill, and destroy, you are positioning yourself to encounter a victory that you can celebrate, that you can record, that you can testify, that you can share with the world around you. Don't minimize the small victories that God gives you. Don't minimize the small battles that you win. Don't minimize, record them and celebrate them because it may just be those victories that give you the determination and the courage to look the biggest devil you've ever faced, the biggest battle you've ever walked through, the greatest struggle you've ever endured, and say, if God could get me through that, if He could carry me through this, if He could carry me through that season, then what's in front of me is no match. If you feel like you fought hell one turn after the next, then just know you've got a call, you've got a promise, you've got a destiny. You've got a dream that's worth defending. <laughs> Don't settle. Don't minimize. Celebrate and record. Celebrate and record. Celebrate and record. Small, what seem like small things, tell people about them. What, seem like small thing, what seems like small things, tell people about them. I love sharing about the things that God has, the provision that He just supplies when I needed it the most, when I wasn't expecting it and God showed up and did it. When I was praying and asking God for a plan, when I was praying and asking God for direction, when I was seeking wisdom and God gave me a plan that I know could have only been from Him. When it didn't make sense, we try to make it make sense. Stop trying to make it make sense. David going out there against that giant 
with nothing but five smooth stones and a slingshot didn't make sense. The Philistines were laughing, and I could only imagine that some of those Israelites that had been terrified and dismayed for 40 days were probably just at their absolute end of fear. As much fear as they could have, they probably had it and thought, Dear God, what has happened that we've come to this point? David had full confidence and assurance because he knew the small battles and victories that God had given him only further reminded him that there wasn't a devil that was big enough or a fight that was great enough that could keep him from what God had established. Tell your neighbor, defend the promise. If you're here tonight and you say, Connor, i got a promise I need to defend, I just want you to lift your hand straight. To- stand with me all over this place. Everyone stand with me. But if you got a promise that you say, Connor, I know God's given me a promise that I need to defend. I know the enemy's fighting me on it. And I need strength right now. I need healing right now. I need wisdom right now. I need discernment right now. I need to recognize what's happening right now. I need to see it with the eyes of heaven. I need to have faith to respond to the situation that's in front of me. Friends, I'm telling you, if I can get up here and preach with what I felt for the last week, over the last week, I'm telling you that you can, in the midst of your storm, cry out to heaven and know that He's faithful, that He hasn't forgotten you, that He knows what you're up against, that He's going to give you everything you need to carry through the victory that He's established for your life. God, I pray right now the peace of heaven over hearts and minds that are roaring, God, with worry and fear. God, I pray healing over sick bodies in the name of Jesus. God, I thank You for healing over my body right now in the name of Jesus. God, I thank You for marriages that are being saved, lost loved ones that are being saved. I thank You, Lord, for dreams and promises that are being restored. I thank You for freedom that's being given. Lord, I thank you for blessings and favor and provision from heaven that was unexpected, that's being poured out on your people. God, I pray those that have sowed seed, God, that have watered and sought for years and years and years, that God, they're seeing a breakthrough of that seed. God, breaking through the ground, fulfilling the promise and plan of their life. God, I thank you for your word in this place tonight. I thank you for peace that's being renewed, joy that's being restored, supernatural strength that's being given, courage that's rising up, lies of the enemy that are being removed, doubt and fear that's being drained, faith and confidence that's being unleashed. God, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the promises that you've given us. (laughs) Jesus, we thank you for the mission that you've given us. God, we thank you that we are alive at this time, at this hour. God, I thank you, Lord, that the season that we're in right now isn't one to curse, but God is one to get excited about. Because when the battle is the toughest and the fight is the hardest, when our heart seems the most weariest, God, is when you positioned us to see the miraculous things of heaven. God, we're leaning into you. God, we're pressing into you. Lord, we're trusting you. God, I pray faith be renewed in this house tonight in the name of Jesus. God, I pray reminders of your word and your promises be renewed in the name of Jesus. I pray freedom, God, from I pray freedom, God, from every lie of the enemy and every curse of the enemy and confidence from heaven to stand on your word and your promise. Jesus, we're fighting to defend the promise because, Lord, we know that the promise is all about the mission. It's all about the plan. And Jesus, we're running after you with everything we have. 
God, I pray your blessings and your favor over your people tonight. I declare a hedge of protection around them and their family in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would pour out your glory in their lives, that every attempt of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy, every attempt of the enemy to assault, every attempt of the enemy to try to deter, God, would be broken in the name of Jesus, that the anointing and the glory of God would flow through us to share the good news of heaven with the world around us, that God, when we come back to this place on Sunday, that we'll have testimonies of your hand.